If you're always on the go like myself and don't have time to sit down and read, Audible.com is a great source to be able to catch up on the latest bestsellers. Listen to it while on the road or at the gym. Audible.com is a leading provider of premium digital audio information and entertainment on the internet. Audible content includes more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products. Audible carries Audible books in every genre imaginable business, classics, history, self development, just to name a few. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook of your choice and a free 30 day trial membership. Just go to audible.com slash replay and choose from over 180,000 audio programs. Download a title for free and start listening. It's that easy. Currently, I am listening to the classic One Fish, Two Fish, Red Fish, Blue Fish. One Fish, Two Fish, Red Fish, Blue Fish, Black Fish, Blue Fish, Old Fish, New Fish. Okay, that's、This、genius. Go to audible.com slash replay. That's audible.com slash replay and get started today. We think it's really important to bring in、uh, retailers and others in other businesses. And so, without further ado, introduce. We have Brian Cornell, who joined as CEO of Target in August. Great. Brian? Brian? So,、um, so we have, I think, two questions. Let's start with the hard ones, if you don't mind, you know, since you're a newbie. Why not? I'm sitting here in a Target red chair. Let's okay, start with the top colors. Okay, yes, it's not、questions. a Target red chair. It's, it's not, but, but still, it has the Target colors.、Um, hacky, or will there be stores in the future at all? Which one would you like? Well, why don't we start with a hacking question? All right, okay. So, I've been in this role for 10 months now. Right, so it's not your fault. It's not my fault. Okay, all right. But I also feel like I'm wearing a sign, you know, please ask Brian about hacking and cybersecurity. Right, you are. Because I rarely go a day without someone asking me questions about what's happening in the space and where we are. Okay. And it's a really important topic. Now, fortunately for Target, we know the guest has moved on. This is not something they're talking about on a regular basis, but we are. Every single day, we worry about cybersecurity. We know we need to make sure that we continue to take our game to the next level. Can you explain where you are in the process of making sure something like this doesn't happen again? And can you, and can you make that promise? Jason, we're in a really good place today. We have an incredibly talented and experienced team in place, a cybersecurity leader that is one of the best in the industry. We've made significant investments to make sure we have the best detection, that we can monitor, that we can contain issues. And we're not only investing in the back end, you know, we're taking a very important step as an industry leader, and we're changing all of our front end systems. So, moving to chip and pin to make sure we can provide the safety that our guests need, to make sure we have the right payment systems in place. The right encryption to make sure that we can guard that data very carefully. But this is a big issue. How much do you think it hurt your company? I mean, every, it seems like every day someone else is getting hacked, so you、yeah. can't remember it. But this was one of the first incursions that really people started paying attention to because the Target's so well, popular. Here, it was Target. Right. So, because of the iconic nature of our brand, everybody talked about it.、Mm-hmm. And it's gone from being a Target issue to being a retail issue. An issue in food service. When Sony was hacked,、yeah. everyone paused and said, All right, this is a big national issue. 
So we all need to recognize every single day, retailers, people in our space are under attack. As we sit here today, there is someone out there and the bad guys are very sophisticated. They are trying to figure out how they disrupt your business. Pick the country, you know, they are finding the best and brightest and they're moving them into these spaces. They're well financed, they've got great talent and they're trying to figure out a way to test our systems. So there's, there's a segment of the technology world right now that believes that mobile phones and mobile payments can help um, improve some of the security around even in-store payments. Target right now um, is part of a consortium of retailers developing uh, one mobile payment app. Apple Pay is another. Um, are, are you committed to, to that consortium as the exclusive mobile payment option when it rolls out, or would you someday accept Apple Pay in stores like you do on your not, phone? Not Obviously, we were one of the first to accept Apple Pay from an online standpoint. Right. right. But we recognize that the consumer is going to look to have multiple options for payments. We've got to be there. Our focus right now is on making sure we have our chip and pin system in place for the holidays. But down the line, we want to make sure we have a system that accepts the payments and the type of payments that our shopper and our guest is looking to use. So why not do it immediately? Why not just have it in place? Yeah, it's a very simple area. <laughs> it, it all came down to, it was all about focus. Right. And I personally made the decision that we can't distract our team right now. Mm -hmm. It is a major undertaking mm -hmm. to convert from our current payment system to chip and pin. Right. Every one of our registers, all the backend systems, putting tokenization in place, it's a major effort. And I'd love to have Apple Pay in our system right now. Now, I personally sat down with Tim Cook and his team. They know we're committed to it, but I told them before we move any further, we have to complete the work on chip and pin. And when that's done, we're gonna be open-minded to whatever form of payment the guest wants to use. But we had to be focused, we had to make some tough calls, and back to the question of safety, I want to make sure we provide our guests the most safe, secure systems possible. So a tough call, but I've made quite a few tough calls recently, and this is yeah. the right thing to do for our business. Okay, let's, let, let's talk about some of those tough calls. One is you came in, so you've been CEO now ten, nine or 10 months, ten is that months. correct? 10 months. It's came gone in. by quickly, but it's, it's only 10 months. You came in, you, you shut down the Canada operations completely. You've had some cuts at headquarters as well. Um, did you come in with your mind made up that in order to compete, you, you needed to make drastic change like that? No, I didn't. I came in with a very open mind. I came in with extraordinary respect for the Target brand, extraordinary respect for the relationship Target's always had with their shopper we call the Target guest, knowing it's a talent-rich organization. And I really tried to spend as much time as I could listening and learning, interacting with the team, interacting with our guests, our vendors. But it quickly became apparent to me, after spending significant time looking at our Canadian operations, that we'd gotten off to a very disappointing start. And it was gonna take years to get that business to a point where we we're even breaking even. And you may not have that many years. 
six years that, that you had told me would take to get the break even on that business? Well, is that we how said, you, do you think about the best case person? scenario, mm -hmm. you know, 2021, we'd be breaking even in Canada. And to get there, we were going to have to put close to a billion dollars of additional CapEx into Canada. So when we looked at the different options and we considered lots of them, could we exit certain cities? Could we shut down one or two DCs? Do we focus on a handful of stores in major cities? The best choice for the business and shareholders was to step away from Canada, a market where we should have won, and put all of our resources back into the US. So I didn't expect to make that decision. Uh, when I joined the company last summer, I certainly didn't expect to be sitting here today saying we were out of Canada. So what's the, what is the issue? I mean, one of the things I was saying, the future of stores, I'm not kidding, I covered retail for many, many years, and you know, I saw a lot, I covered a lot of closings of the original department stores, which I think were the first shot across the bow, newspapers and, uh, and others. Um, how do you envision this, the store of the future? Last year, um, the Walmart CEO talked about um, the fact that there may not be stores, or they'd be very, very small. Uh, and then you would you would have things delivered to you. It might be just a distribution center, like, and you'd go and look at certain things. What do you see? Do you see these very big stores continuing, or is that over? I mean, you, which is, you have lots and lots of them. Yeah, I probably have a very different perspective from what you heard from Doug last year. I think stores are going to evolve, but I'm absolutely convinced stores are here to stay. And one of the things that I'm watching, and, and you're seeing this, is even some of the traditional, some of the original online retailers, well, now they're getting really innovative. They're opening up stores. I was with the CEO of Warby Parker mm -hmm. a few weeks back. Mm -hmm. Terrific executive. I mean, Neil's a great leader, and they built a great brand. What are they talking about? They're talking about the fact that they're opening up stores throughout the country in major cities. And why are they doing that? Because their consumer, their shopper says, we love the brand, we love the online experience, and we'd be really happy if there was a physical location we could occasionally shop. What does that store look like, though? Because the Warby, I was just in the Warby Parker store the other day. Are it's, those Warby? No, these are cheap Costco glasses. I don't buy expensive glasses. Um, but, and they're lovely at Warby Parker. I'm not trendy enough for Warby Parker. Um, so they, um, they're very, they're almost like pop-up stores. They feel like, they have got a feeling about them. They're, they're like, almost like an Apple store. People come and look. It's very social. Um, it's, uh, it's just an experience. It's an experience. Very small. Do you imagine that your, these giant mega stores will be around? The idea that you wander around with a giant cart and collect things seems ridiculous to me on every level going forward. Yeah. Well, each and every week, we have over 30 million guests visit our stores. Right. They still like to shop that physical environment. But I think it's going to evolve. And if I were to think about our vision, where we see Target heading going forward and how we meet the needs of today's guests, we really think about the fact that they shop on demand. Sometimes they want to shop in our stores. And when they're there, you use the term experience, we have to provide them a great experience and continue to raise the bar. Can you, talk all, about, can you talk about some of the things, your specifics on what, what you think needs to be done there? Yeah. Well, we've stepped back over the last year and really spent a lot of time understanding you know, what is the guest looking from, for Target to deliver? How do we make sure we differentiate ourselves? And in many cases, they brought us back to our roots. 
they told us that when they think of target, there's certain categories that we're now calling signature categories, style. They expect us to deliver a great experience in apparel, in home, in beauty. Many young moms start their relationship at Target when they're having their first child. Baby and kids, really important. As I travel around and I interact with our guests, so often the story comes back to, well, I started shopping at Target when I had my first child. I bought the first car seat here, the first stroller. I found diapers at Target for the very first time, and it builds a lifelong relationship. And we also know because of the type of guests we attract, wellness is really important. So standing up those categories in our traditional stores, really important. But I also recognize, and you've been talking about this throughout the conference, consumers and shoppers interact differently today. Sometimes they want to click from their desk or their kitchen, and an hour later, pick up at one of our stores. Well, I think it's a huge advantage. I've got 1,800 pickup locations, and I've got to continue to evolve that to make that even easier for the guest, but I want to be able to shop. I want them to be able to click and pick up at our stores, and then we know we have to be able to provide them with home delivery. I guess what I'm talking about, does it have to get bigger? I mean, because I, I, I'm one of those mothers. I bought my car seat at, at Target. I bought a lot of things at Target. And it used to probably be a more enjoyable experience in the store than it has been recently. It's gotten, it had there's something that changed. But it was too big. And so when these smaller stores started, I was like, are these going to get the wandering around these massive stores when you could, for example, is Uber a competitor to you someday? Where you could put the stuff, they could get the stuff in the stores, put it in their trunks, drive around the city while they're driving other people or Lyft, and then deliver things. Yeah. They could certainly be a partner someday. A partner. They, they could certainly be a partner. And we're open-minded. We've stepped back and said, all right, we're not going to take anything off the table right now. But as part of our strategy, we also recognize that in the U.S. today, consumers are moving back to urban centers. You're seeing booms in the population growth in San Francisco. I was in Dallas last week. There's you know, cranes everywhere. What's happening in New York City, even in Minneapolis. We've got a shortage of downtown housing. They can't build it fast enough. So for us to compete and be there to meet the consumer, well, we need smaller stores like our city targets, which we're going to expand this year into a great new location in Boston next to Fenway Park. We're testing something called Target Express, a very small store, probably 15 or 20,000 square feet, curated assortment, no more than 20,000 SKUs. But the magic behind both City Target and particularly those small stores is I want our guests to be able to experience the store and then also have access to all the product we have in our assortment. So they can order and pick up in those locations. So those stores... Do you have lockers or anything like that in, in stores today? I like this locker concept. So we're looking at it. I certainly envision in the future lockers are going to play a role so that we provide the ease of ordering and pick up at our stores when you want to. Some of that's going to be in those 1,800 traditional stores. Many are, will be in these smaller urban settings where, again, the store functions as a place to shop, but also as a pickup location, as a depot. What, so, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Jay. So last night I was um, doing what an e-commerce and retail nerd does and going around the crowd and asking them, what percent of Target's overall revenue do they think digital accounts for? 
guesses were 10%, 20%, 30%. I told him the most recent number is 2.8, um, which, which uh, works out to about a couple of billion dollar business, I believe. Uh, is the, is, what, do you, what do you think when you, when you see that number? Is I that, think about huge upside. <laughs> I get really excited about it. And as part of our strategy going forward and some of the commitments we've made to our investors, we're looking to grow that business by 40%. The last three quarters, third and fourth quarter of 14, we just reported last week our first quarter 2015 results, we're growing close to 40%. What do you have to do to do that? I mean, first of all, we haven't mentioned Amazon at this conference, I realize now, at all, which is kind of interesting in and of itself. Um, what, how do you look at Am the Amazons of the world now? And then I want to get to Pinterest too, because they're a partner of yours. Um, how do you look at Amazon now? Retailers have gotten nervous about Amazon. They go through different feelings about it. How do you look at it? And I'm using Amazon as a proxy for a lot of these different Well, I look at them as one of our many competitors. And if you're in a space like ours, you know, you're competing every single day with lots of different retailers. So they're one of the competitors. In some ways, as a traditional retailer, that's now moving into this omni-channel arena, I think we almost need to say thank you to Amazon because over the last few years, they've taught the American consumer how to shop online, but they don't own that relationship. And we have a very strong brand. I mean, Target, despite some of the things we started with, with breaches and cyber attacks, it's still an amazingly strong, iconic American brand. We've got this great relationship with shoppers and when they shop, our stores and online. But has they have it taken too long for you to get there? Like 2.8 is rather low. Yeah. You know, billions as it might be, if you're a huge company. Um, Amazon's been around for a while. I mean, do you feel like retailers have not, you know, just the way Hollywood hasn't gotten to it fast enough? Do you feel like you've got what happens within your companies where you don't really, really get that this possibly could be your business as a future period? Well, I think we've gotten to a point where we're completely aligned around the fact that this will be part of our future. And it's a small base. I mean, 2.8 is where we are today. Growing at 40% will expand that number pretty quickly. And we're making a huge commitment. We brought in great talent. We're gonna spend a billion dollars this year alone in technology and supply chain enhancements. We're gonna to continue to make sure that our guest recognizes we're in this space because as we look inside of our business, our most profitable, our most valuable guest is the one that shops both in-store and online. They spend almost three times more than an in-store shopper only. So once they start experiencing the store and recognize we can meet their needs online, that relationship really starts to grow. So inside of our organization, I can tell you as we sit here today, there is no doubt we are committed to that business. We're not walking away from stores because we think the combination of stores and that in-store experience, the fact that our guests can shop online and has 1,800 convenient pickup locations, and we leverage our assets, I'm shipping from many of our stores today. And that allows us to deliver product very quickly in these local communities. So a Amazon has dumped a ton of resources and time into Amazon Prime. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't come out and give numbers, but well, on anything, but, um, but there are reports that say Amazon Prime shoppers spend 
two times, three times as much as non-Amazon. Do you, do you need a, a delivery service like that, membership program like that? Walmart's testing one, eBay's testing one in Germany. Um, how do you think about how that type of program fits with Target? Jason, I think it's one of the secrets within our company, and we've got to start telling the story more aggressively. Red card? We already have one of the great programs, and it is the red card. I mean, for our red card holders, one, they save 5% every time they use the card, but for them, we've already been shipping for free. So we already have our prime service in place. And those red card shoppers spend significantly more than non-red card shoppers. So as we think about the future, you know, building out loyalty, making sure we're delivering the services that our guest is looking for. But we've got a very competitive mechanism in red card. And we've just got to continue to stand that up as we go forward. So at a very high level, when you think Amazon, I think a lot of people would think convenience. When you think Walmart, people still think low prices. For a bunch of years, I think people would think Target, cool, also low prices, great deal. And then somewhere over the last couple of years, it seemed like I, people don't know what to think. I don't know what to think. So wh what do you want people to think when they think Target and and are you there today, whatever that, whatever that mission is or one-liner is? Well, when I was back in the green room before we walked out here, um, and your staff greeted me, and they said, you know, I want you to sign this book. They want the CEO of Target to sign the book. Carol yeah. loves Target. I do. And yeah. that, that's the magic force. And you're right. Over the last few years, we did drift away from that. And we recognize that as a reaction to the economic downturn, now, our traditional brand promise of expect more, pay less, well, we lost the balance there. We started spending a lot more time on the pay less side of the equation and a lot less time on the expect more. So we've gotten back to our roots. We're focusing on great style, which means we're committing to understanding trends, delivering great design, innovation, newness, and if you look inside of our recent quarterly results, we said we were up 2.3%. Those are our comps overall. But in our signature categories, apparel, home, beauty, we were growing at twice that rate. So, so it tells me when we get back to that brand promise, the guest is rewarding us with more trips into our store and more you, visits to our site. How sites. do you get more? This is the last question, then we'll get to any questions people have. Um, how do you get more growth? Because, again, I'm not trying to harp on the store thing, because I'm, I'm convinced nobody's going to drive cars someday, and I'm convinced I think it's all going to be self-driving, and I don't think you're going to go to stores. I just don't. Um, and I, I, it's long-term. I'm talking about a long-term. There'll be, or there'll be stores like the Warby Parker, more experiential stores just to look and admire things. Um, so that they're fun, and like the Apple Store sort of pioneered that. And, and the Apple Store is not as fun as it used to be sometimes, too. And they're redoing it. Angela Ahrens is redoing that experience, although it's still pretty fun. Um, but how do you do that? Where do you get the growth? Um, talk about like Pinterest, for example. That is the one that's been linking a lot with stores. How do you look at that relationship? Are they your friend, where they help you get more people to shop Target? Or someday, are they your competitor? Yeah. They're great friends and terrific partners today. And one of the things that makes that relationship work so well is we have a very common consumer, shopper, and guest. So the consumers that are going to their sites, they're also shopping our stores and coming to Target. So leveraging the relationship we have there, really important. 
But your what are you question, doing? What do you do? What works with something like a Pinterest for you? Yeah. We've tried to bring it to life in store by really flagging some of the items that are most popular on Pinterest, work with them to make sure that we've got the right linkage. But to your question about growth, I want to make sure I can answer that. Right. Because that is the ultimate question. When we sit here five or 10 years from now and we look back on Target, we're going to be successful first if we continue to drive traffic to our stores if we drive more visits to our site. And we really think there's five areas that we have to focus on to do that. We have to become a omni-channel retailer and really embrace this on-demand shopping. The in-store experience has to improve. It has to be more exciting. We've got to make sure it's really easy to click and collect product. And we've got to make sure that we provide an easy online shopping and delivery experience. We can't stand for everything. So we've stepped back and said, there's certain categories that we have to be famous for. Those style categories, we have to continue to have a great relationship with moms and kids. We've got to move into to wellness. Online, but what do you need to do online? Are you gonna, you need to buy companies? Do you need to, do you get to add technology? What do you, as, as the CEO, you've got to be a, the chief digital officer, I think, every retailer. And you're not a digital native. You're not a, what do you have to do? What, do you, what is your digital priority besides getting people to shop online more? Well, first, it actually starts with stepping back and making sure the entire organization knows how committed we are. When we put the number up of 40%, it was really symbolic to say, we're all in. We're going to continue to bring talent, great engineering into our system. We're going to continue to make sure we elevate the online experience. We really look at Target as mobile, is the front door to the brand. If you and I were to go out shopping in one of our stores, I guarantee you, within a few minutes, we're gonna see one of our guests, in one hand's gonna be the shopping cart, and the other hand's gonna be their smartphone. And they're using that to Check at, Amazon prices? <laughs> they might be Maybe. checking some prices. Well done. And the nice thing is, more than often, we win when they do that. Yeah. So I welcome the huh. comparison. Okay. So I'm not scared of the price comparison there. Okay. You know, they're looking at what they pinned. They're looking at their list. So we recognize mobile is absolutely the front door to the brand. We've got to get better at localizing assortment, at building that more personalized experience, and we're really focused here on making sure we become a simpler company. So very clear priorities. We make sure that we're all focused on the right levers that drive growth, that build traffic, that allow us to compete in a very competitive retail environment. But we drive growth by executing against those five pillar strategies. And that's where we're putting our capital, that's where we're pushing our talent, and we're a very competitive team, and we wanna win. And we're in the very early stages of transforming Target, but I wanna see three quarters turn into 33 quarters and our whole team is aligned around that. But it's all about growth. Do you consider yourself digital? I don't, okay. but I'm certainly very engaged. You know, I wake up every day, and this is about as far away from my iPhone that I've been in a long time, mm -hmm. you know, leaving it in the back room. Mm -hmm. But I know how important that is. It's important to our guests. It's important to the way I live today. You know, I just think about the last couple of days. I think I clicked on my phone and you know, had Uber take me to the office before I went to the airport. I had forgotten to set the alarm. I used Control 4 to make sure while I'm gone, you know, the doors are locked. 
You were using Snapchat earlier, I saw you. No. Not yet? Not yet. Okay, Not yet. okay, we'll get there. Not but you know, that's how I interact every day. You know, we've got a major commitment we've made to social. Uh, we've got something called Guest Central back in our office. And you know, we've got a team there that monitors all of the activity that's taking place socially. And we're a brand where people engage every day. It's almost over 30,000 mentions of Target socially every day. So they are Snapchatting and they're pinning the brand and they're talking about it and they're tweeting. So we're very relevant in that space. Okay. So I may not be a digital expert, but I'm smart enough to know how to surround myself with great talent um, and I'm a pretty good student. Okay, great. Questions from the audience? Go ahead, Jane. Hi, Brian. James Joaquin from Obvious Ventures. I'm a huge fan of your Made to Matter program, and I'm curious, how is that performing at the company, and how do you prioritize natural and eco-friendly products for your target guests? Yeah. So let me start for the benefit of those that might not be familiar with Made to Matter. It's a program we put together for the first time last year with a handful of our vendors who brought us very unique items exclusive items that were in the organic, natural, better-for-you space. This year we've expanded it to partner with 31 vendors and that Made to Matter offering is going to become a billion dollar piece of business. Year on year it's growing at about 25%. And it's just a sign that our shopper has told us, they haven't just told us, they're shouting about it. You know, we need to make sure we're in this wellness space as we look to reinvent and reposition food, they've clearly given us the marching orders that we need more organic products, more natural. They're very concerned with gluten-free. More and more, it's cleaner labels. And there's a growing sentiment around GMO-free products. So the guest is voted, and as we look to curate the right products on their behalf, we absolutely know made to matter and really reinventing our overall food assortment so that we have the on-trend products that they're looking for, that's a real essential for us. But it's off to a great start, and the growth rates that we're seeing and the reaction from our vendor partners has been terrific. John? Uh, Brian, I'm curious, there's a lot of attention on security and discovery before the sale, payments at the point of sale. I'm curious about after the sale. Uh, Ron Johnson, formerly of Target, is working on Enjoy. There's starting to be some focus on uh, how you apply technology to improve the customer experience after the sale. What is it that you think Target can and, and maybe needs to do to apply technology after the sale? Yeah. Well, we're putting a big premium on both something called localization, but importantly, personalization. How do we make sure that we really continue to build that experience before, during, and after they shop? So we're in the very early stages of testing some new loyalty programs, but we think they're going to complement things like Cartwheel, where we've already had almost 15 million guests download that app because they love the interaction with the brand and the fact that there's mobile couponing. We want to make sure that they recognize when they swipe their card, they use that red card, you know, here's the 5% I'm saving. But we really need to make sure as we think about loyalty, it's before, during, and after they shop and how do we bundle that together to continue to build that relationship with the guest. Can you talk about what you're testing, 
anything you're testing there? Yeah, we're testing a program right now in North Carolina we're calling Red Perks. Um, it's a point-based program. It complements you know, our red card, what we're delivering with Cartwheel that the guest absolutely loves, but a way to really make sure they're engaged with the brand. And we've got to make sure as they've checked out and they're going to their car and they're heading home, we remind them, you know, we'd love to have you back in the store. If you're pressed for time, click and come by and collect. In some locations, you know, we have curbside delivery. And if you need it to make it really easy for you, we'll just ship it directly to your home. So we have to make sure those elements all play together. You're starting to touch on it, but if I have a problem or a question, it seems mostly it's still that old process of either I ship it back or I lug it back and I stand in a line. Um, do you have a vision yet for how that might change? Yeah. Well, we have to make that experience easier. And again, one of the advantages we have is 1,800 locations. So you can click and pick up there. We're using those locations actually now, in many cases, to deliver to your home. But we also have the convenience of saying, all right, if you ordered something and it gets to your house and you don't like the color, the size isn't right, you can come right back to one of our locally convenient stores and exchange it. We have to continue to think about how we make that really seamless. So the commitment to using our stores, not only for the great experience you have when you shop, but as a place to pick up product, I think we can take that to an entirely new level. And I think it's a real competitive advantage going forward. Last question for you. What, if you had to pick one shopping thing you've seen online that you think is fantastic, not Target, what would you say? Sitting here today, you know, I'm going to go back to my friends at Warby Parker. I think they've done a great job of making it really easy, giving you a choice to say, you know what, you may not get it right the first time, so pick four or five pair. Tell me which one you like. And that convenience and ease, I Why think, is terrific. Why don't you buy them or get into that business or do something like that? Well, it, right now, Kira, I think it's really important for us to stay very focused on the agenda and the initiatives in front of us. We're going to be very open-minded. There's going to be opportunities for us to say, are there great tuck-in opportunities? But right now, you know, we're very focused on executing our strategy, continue to build out our omni-channel capabilities, elevate the awareness of the fact that well, with Redcard, you do already have all the benefits of a Prime. It's free shipping. Now, how do we make sure those signature categories come to life very differently? So the next time you're in one of our stores, you say, wow, the experience is a lot better than it was a year ago. So we have a very clear set of priorities. And today, we think focus is really important. Right. Making sure we're very focused on driving growth, enhancing that relationship, bringing traffic back to our stores, and visits to our site. Great. Thank you so much. Thanks Brian. for having Thank you, me. I appreciate Bye. it.